Welcome to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, your podcast guide to all places and plots exalted. I'm Rouse. And I'm Aramithius. And we are now going into discussing the story hooks for House Ragger. If you've just come to us from the lore episode, this is where we pick up on all of the various threads that we've started to sort of tease out with Ragger in the lore and say, well, how do you make those into games? But before we get to that, if you do want to send us anything, any emails, any thoughts about what we're discussing, any corrections, anything like that, do email us at wondrousatlas at gmail.com. And if you like what you're listening to, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, there's all sorts of other ones out there as well, somewhere podcast chaser those sorts of stuff but we'd absolutely love to get some feedback from you good bad or in between however you're finding us so that we can carry on doing the stuff you like and stop doing the stuff you don't but yes and with all that said we should probably get to talking through what the main narrative themes for ragara are and how to use those in games hey kid you want to commit some crimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay yeah, we can we can start with that. It's a good way to start as anything. We've got here listed at the top reference to Rogue Trader in sort of game structure. And Rogue Trader kind of lands the vibe for if you want player raggeras who can't afford to be moustache twirlingly evil. Yes, and just to translate, this is Rogue Trader as in the Fantasy Flight Games Workshop Rogue Trader role-playing game where you are playing a bunch of just fantastically rich spacefaring traders who are basically going around being colonial in whatever fashion possible. And the main question is, to an extent, should we do this? But the bigger one is, can we get away with this? So if you are playing a bunch of Ragara who are being opulent and just being fantastically Ragara all over the threshold, or even in the Blessed Isle maybe, it's a question of, well, how far can you push the envelope towards being the rich, horsey gits? of the realm and just squeezing money out of everyone. Before someone starts complaining. Yeah. (laughs) Although it does allow for, if you wanted to do a nice little tonal shift, opening the game with that, with the whole ha-ha funny one, and then when someone starts complaining, allowing the other half of Ragara to come in. (laughs) Yes, there is that. And when you are doing those sorts of things, it's always worth showing the consequences of this. I mean, Exalted is always a game of consequences to some degree, just because players cannot be contained in whatever level of exults you are it's very difficult for a gm to ever control the players properly so it's a case of well here's what you've done and here's the result of that deal with it so but in the case of that sort of very very rich very very oppressive in its way and distinct colonial style of game show the oppressed masses make the players feel that have little vignettes where you've said, right, you've done this, and then key up some very direct consequences as a result of a particular policy or a particular slave or servant or whatever that they've mistreated. Show them what's gone on from what they've done. You can even, to a degree, just because Ragara A has the wealth and B has everyone else just looking for the smallest excuse, you can really actually leverage not just the personal consequences of look at what's happened with these masses you're oppressing so that you can have a 52-course meal, but you can even leverage the political one of you start putting a couple toes out of line and suddenly that Nemon that was putting up with you before is yelling and calling you atrocities to the name of the Immaculate Faith. <laughs> yes, you have all sorts of buttons you can push to 
get everyone exerting pressure on Ragnarok to conform, and those are your kind of ways of monitoring that. All of that sounds like a lot to keep track of, a lot of plates to keep spinning. One mechanical way that you can do that as a storyteller is a trick that I've picked up from Blades in the Dark lately. This is not something that is part of White Wolf, but Blades in the Dark simulates pressure turning up and turning down by the use of clocks. So if you're saying trying to break into somewhere and then you're thinking, well, how long until the guards get here? You have a clock with, say, six segments in it that you then fill up each time they muck up and there's something that could make a noise and it kind of ticks around. And when it fills up, the guards are alerted and then more consequences come into play. In the context of Exalted, uh, you can run that at a bit more of a macro level. So how many things have they done that the immaculate order are going to take offense to check it off move the clock round each time that happens and word reasonably gets back how many things have they done to oppress the peasantry if they've produced a particularly heavy tax move the clock round multiple segments and if they're doing things to appease it move it back it's just a way of checking when things reach boiling point for various particular factions and it's not explicitly mechanical but it's a structured way of thinking about how what you're doing in that sort of a game can impact the various groups at play when the important thing is reactions to what the players are doing. I have nothing to add to that. I don't have the brain for mechanics, as my players will attest. Well, it's a structure. It's not really a mechanic as such. But The other thing with Ragra, again, if you want to work with them, is finding out where the line is. Because... For most dragons, it's a lot earlier than where you as a Ragnarok will be able to draw it. In pretty much everything that the realm as a unit dictates when it comes to not just morality, but really kind of everything else. The anathema question is a question for Ragnarok more so than anyone else, because you won't be liked for working with them. But your house will, if you appeal to them, probably cover up that you did it and won't tell you off for it if it was needed. Demons, again, and even the shady, dodgy trade practices, again, they're friends with the guild, who are my favourite villains. <laughs> yeah, especially if it works. Ragnar are pragmatists, so if any of the stuff the players do actually gets pulled off, the house is likely to be much more forgiving. Generally, you may find some odd principled ones somewhere, but odd is the term to describe those. Or the other one, the more common reason, I would say, that you actually get punished by the house for doing something like working with anathema or doing demon nonsense. Less because you found a principled ragara, because again, that those are rare, but more because you've stepped on someone else's toes in so doing it. Yeah. The, I worked with this anathema to get this goal. Yes, that was good. Other than the fact that I needed that anathema to die for my machinations. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely way of doing it. You can play proper house politics and there's only a limited amount of forbidden stuff that you can play with. And so everyone gets squabbling over who gets to hold the toy for longest, so to speak. Basically. And I mean, it's sort of the thing of as well, while they do have that central blackmail repository and Ragra is described as working as a unit a lot more than some other houses, given that they are all doing illicit stuff, there is a real and a genuine and present threat of stepping on other Ragara's toes with the things that they're trying to keep hidden. Yes, because you won't hear about it unless you need to know about it generally. And 
it's an interesting one if you've got players that are trying to play a principled Ragara or I think young Ragaras are going to be the main thing here because in theory, until you get to a certain point of either ability or authority within the house, you don't get to know what's going on. Magically, you get the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, you'll absolutely get that they're absolute gits to any and all of their trade partners when they get the chance. And the debt collector angle. Yes. We did establish in the lore episode, so if you start with these ones, go pop back there, that as much as the oh-they-don't-know excuse works for half of Ragara's evilness, they're mundanely evil as well. <laughs> yes. And it might be worth checking with players as to what types of evil are problems. If you are involving Ragara themes as something that you're expecting the players to get up to, then checking where their lines are is going to be very important. Yeah. I mean, if you want the quick and easy one to keep the transgressive nature of Ragara without stepping on toes, just make sympathetic anathema because the realm's moral rules on this are very clear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in which case you're going to be looking for a game probably set around Great Forks or something, which also gives you eh? room to bring the guild in just because can... that's a ready source of anathema. True, but you can also do it in... Again, we mentioned this in our little pre-recording chat here that Antung is perfect for this. The place is lousy for solas. <laughs> you make a solar that's actually just sympathetic. There's a thing I've done with some of my players recently to exactly this effect. They're not raggers, but given some of the stuff they get up to, they might as well be. Literally as simple as, yeah, here you go. A child is solar exalted. Uh-oh. <laughs> Realm line's very clear. <laughs> Yes, but then you kind of hand them over to Bonoba for long-term strategic planning for the house, and yeah. Yeah, you could hand them over to Bonobas. It's why I'm iffy on the all-young Ragras. I like the yeah. idea that there's one at least that any party I feel should either have as player or as NPC, someone who is either Ragara or at least affiliated, because you could have a... Um, I think they'd have to be immortal to be trusted with the information but not considered as threat that is affiliated with the house that knows at least a little of what the shadow side of the house is specifically so that the players if they're not familiar with house ragara and characters if the players are don't easily get the excuse of oh i didn't know so it's the sort of thing again in this case of oh we found some child that solar exalted in antung you could hand them over to Bonoba, but you know what he'll do. So it's the question then, do you want to double-cross your own house to keep this one hidden? Because Ragra morality will basically, I would say, A, the pragmatism, yes, that they're useful, they're a tool. But if you are a Ragara with morality, you will get to the point there of just, I have the resources to hide this one. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's again, what can you get away with? And that's the key thing, it is, can we get away with it? And you'll note we've even already brought the idea now of betraying the house in, because it's one of the most moral acts you can do, is betray House Ragara. Yes! And most fatal, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Having House Ragara as an antagonist, even if you're kind of Ragara players, is an interesting thing to do, because they have a huge amount of resources to bring to bear. But the key thing, I think, with Ragara antagonists is giving them the time to use it because they're not going to be straight up capable if you kind of just burst into their office, draw your diclave, and then just try and deal with the problem. You're not going to get that many physical dynasts out of House Ragara unless you get some of the realm officers that they've produced. But 
their threat is their money and that takes time to trickle through to reasonably make sense. It needs to be a long-term thing done at arm's length where you're dealing with cat's paws. Not just the money, though, as well. It's the thing of their threat is their money. Their threat is also their magic, which in Exalted's paradigm also takes time. Yes. Because you were saying there you won't get one that if you burst into the office is going to be dangerous. That's where I kind of disagree a little bit, if only because... No, they hoard artefacts. You might think you're bursting in there and, oh, it's just a little old man with an abacus. I can cut him down once I've already decided I'm breaking into a realm official's office. I don't care about the law. And that's when he pulls out the lightsaber. (laughs) Yeah. And that's also something worth bearing in mind for realm games in general, as well as Ragara. The realm is a martial society in a way that most current societies, I mean, I've not spent an awful lot of time in the States where carrying a gun on your hip is entirely acceptable. But that's the sort of feel that people wandering around in military dress for official functions and otherwise, and just being generally armed is a common thing. Watch old Kurosawa movies. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing I can come to is the samurai from feudal Japan. But again, the, the gun culture in certain parts of the States, from what I understand, where carrying it around on your hip and being prominent in displaying it is not a bad thing and is potentially almost expected in some quarters is something that's going to happen in the realm. Yeah, and it's the case of that's actually what does make a lot of the Ragara somewhat unique in that they're big, scary magical weapons. They don't show off. <laughs> yeah, and if they do... <laughs> There's another game for you where you are Ragaras and House Ragara is your own antagonist. You are... Your average run-of-the-mill Ragaras doing run-of-the-mill Ragara things. You find some magical artifact, and you're like, oh, Badabad love this. And it's great like that, thinking you're going to curry some favour. You run afoul of old man Ragara's Black Ops artifact collectors. Yes. It's like, no, this could be better deployed elsewhere. Thank you. Even though the books do establish that Badabad knows about the occult stuff, it never establishes how much of the old man's game he knows. And I tend to like the idea that it's not that much, and that's by Uh, Old Man Ragara's design. It depends. I mean, again, third edition, I think, goes a little bit in the opposite direction because Bonoba is portrayed as taking over the operations, and he was chosen specifically for that kind of occult way of handling it uh, and handling all of the occult stuff. So Yeah, it's that he does know the magic. He does know all of the, yeah, we play with demons and like, it's more specifically... What's he up to in Numa, whether or not he's in that loop, since especially the older books as well do say that he kind of has his own people that he doesn't go through Banner before. Yeah, that makes sense. I like the idea of it mm. being, again, left hand not knowing what the right hand's <laughs> doing so that they can start stumbling over each other. <laughs> yeah, both using that as a thing to get the players sucked into a mystery and then giving it to the players to weaponize. It's great. You're there with your soul breaker or whatever deranged thing you've decided to give the players. It's like, oh, some bandits tried to take it from us. Because, again, let's be honest, old man Ragra would never admit that it was his guys. (laughs) Some bandits tried to take it from us. Wait, no, they're not bandits. What's this? Why are they robbing us? We're Ragra too. You do your digging, you do your investigation. The old man has artifact hunters. Why does he want a soul breaker? He lives in a little monastery town. (laughs) What does he want with this? (laughs) Yeah, there is that. The question with anything Old Man Ragnarok does is A, figuring out what he's doing, and then B, having to ask the horrifying question of why he's retired in a spa. Yeah. 
I would also kind of extend that to the inner circle as well, because mm. generally speaking, I wouldn't have players as part of that. So the inner circle that's working with Bonoba to get everyone on board and moving in whatever direction best suits the house as far as Bonoba is concerned. Having them as sort of the shadowy manipulators who have all the pieces, whereas the things the players are interacting with really don't. Yeah, I mean, you can even go for the double stroke, triple cross there because of the, you do your investigation, you're seeing Old Man Ragra as part of this, the inner circle decide, oh, someone's poking around there because they being the official part of the house, they can bring you to the table. They won't give you the authority, but they can bring you to the table. Like, yes, we are. This is House Ragara. This is what we do. Maintain your loyalty to the house. Now do what we want. And it's the sort of thing of hiding their own actions under the, oh, they know old man Ragara has black ops teams. Let's make it look like our stuff is his black ops teams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is that. And that can sort of be something to, it depends on how you want to pace a particular story, but I would do things like being called into the office to discuss certain things as something that you use to kind of have an end of an act reveal sort of thing. So all of a sudden the veil is lifted and this only really has that sort of an impact if your players don't know the exalted setting that well and so will otherwise be surprised that, oh, this is something the house ragger is doing. I imagine it's also a little difficult to pull off if you're dealing with a Hearth of Dragonblooded where you've got non-Ragara player characters. That then I would argue becomes an individual player's sort of side plot. I love doing these sorts of things where, especially with dragons, because dragons are political beings, even when they are working together as a party. If the realm as a political unit is involved, they will have little side things sort of before, after or between sessions of, yeah, this is the letter you get from mum and dad. (laughs) yes and then certain maneuverings happen and everyone gets paranoid because yeah we should have probably mentioned it back in the big dragon blood episode that is kind of an inevitability with dragons if you're doing a mixed house party i'd almost go to such point saying it's a strong recommendation that you do have little bits that individual players get from their houses yeah so the idea being that the realm is sort of the big plot and then the house is anything off to the side that people can be doing. I mean, yeah. that does take a little bit of managing and it depends on how comfortable your players are with dealing with in-character and out-of-character knowledge. Otherwise, you're going to be spending a lot of room kind of locked in the broom covered with the storyteller trying to go through stuff without being overheard sort of thing. Yeah. The other thing as well, actually, on this note, that raggers can be useful for i won't go so far as to make a moral judgment of it (laughs) but if you are having a big outside of realm threat doing horrible magical shenanigans in your mixed party you do have the ragra player having to sort of hide their sources so to speak but they have someone they can ask in a way kind of similar to how ladals do but a ladal will admit yes no i asked my house we study this a ragra will be like I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> I bribed a librarian or something. I'll just, I feel they would lie like this to the rest of the party. Yes. How did you know the name and origin of that demon we fought and who's likely to have summoned it? <laughs> Either that, or you just claim some connection to Bagway and the Heptagram, but you need something a bit substantial to, for that to actually be credible. Yeah, but it's the case of... If it's a threat that is actually outside of the realm and you can convince your immediate superiors in the house that it's bad for business that this threat continues doing its thing, they will have access, I would argue. Again, it's never 
confirmed comparatively. I would argue Ragara probably has a stronger repository than even Ladal on these sorts of things, just because Ragara does open experimentation. Mm, so does Ladal, and to an extent, Namon. The relative power of the sorcerer's arsenals and the artifact arsenals is just down to whatever narrative yeah. needs of your game, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I like Ragara being big and monolithic and horrifying. Yeah, fair enough. Because that's what everything else about them implies. Why would this be <laughs> exceptional? <laughs> yeah, they do seem to be more monolithic than most houses. I mean, even with the different families, they're all doing the same stuff. It's just in different places. Yeah. Also, arguably, especially when it comes to the artifact front. Yeah. Ragara has the money, which does account for a lot. <laughs> yes. Because most artifacts aren't found on the Isle. All the artifacts that were on the Isle have been looted at this point. Yeah. And They're found elsewhere, where enough jade will get you what you want. <laughs> yeah, and that's possibly another thing. There's the money side. I would also say that if you are going for a game where Ragara's commercial interests are a big thing, this is one of the few times when actively tracking resource expenditure might be a good thing because you can then kind of keep score in a way. And it's not the case of, handing out however many silver pieces and getting them to buy ales and stuff. And it's not the micro stuff. It's going to be actively how many bars of jade, what can that get you in terms of slaves and land and everything else? Yeah. It's the case where Exalted's actual resource system kind of starts to show its trouble because it being a simple storyteller, one to five dot system, spending a dot implies some sort of massive expenditure that has lowered your level whereas leaving it the same makes the players feel like they're not doing anything <laughs> yes i'd so, argue you need to i'm not sure what you'd pinch it from but i think you would need to pinch an external system if you wanted to do proper ragger money moving because i don't like the idea of the individual sort of silver pieces analogy there maybe if you were tracking jade by the talent or something deranged yeah or just units of x number of talents because spending one talent of jade even is not going to get you that much in terms of kind of the grand scale of competition and one thing you can look at there is oh no I, i've just realized where i was going with that sentence is look at how jeff bezos and elon musk <laughs> and people with that much money behave with their money and what sort of competition that level of wealth brings you it makes an interesting sort of insight for what the levels of money mean and even kind of paper money in terms of market cap and those sorts of things have status meanings when you reach that level of wealth. The other thing that we do actually need to specify here for once, normally, whenever we're telling you to pinch story ideas from other media, we will try and skew you eastwards because that's kind of what Exalted's tone is. Ragara is the one case where we have to explicitly tell you not to, because we've mentioned before, the gangster trope, the mafia trope, is very, very prone for Ragara. Not the Yakuza one, however. This is one where you do want to stay in your classic Italian mafia family far more than you want to go for Yakuza, if only because the way Ragara behave is... We did say the realm as a whole is a lot more martial than most people are used to out of a society. Ragara is, however, inside that paradigm, a lot less martial than you'd expect. And that's kind of the difference. The primary difference, to not turn this into a criminology lecture, between the Yakuza and the Mafia is that the Yakuza came from a byproduct of a samurai system, whereas the Mafia came from 
criminals from the beginning. Yes. And the case of sort of bullying small time folks into giving you money and getting the contracts to do certain things and making sure that the Mm. right people are doing something versus the wrong people is a very mafia thing, given the history of that particular organization. As an actual mechanical recommendation for once. Ooh. Yeah, I actually have one, mostly because there's only one part of Exalted's engine that I'm any good at doing anything creative with, and that's intimacies. Ah. You want debt intimacies. You want to collect them as a Ragara player. Yes. Normally the game's like, oh, spend XP to get intimacies or this, that, and the other. I would, as a storyteller, if there's a Ragara player specifically, I would entirely allow them to track different levels of people owing them as intimacies that can then be cashed in pretty much as a dot for dot in other areas. That's an interesting way of doing it. I wouldn't quite have put it as intimacies, but certainly that sort of multi-tiered level of how much they care about paying it back. Give it a dot rating. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That lets you translate it into other things that also have dot ratings. (laughs) Yes. Which makes it nice and easy. If you want to do the whole, yeah, translate it into resources, that's a bit fluffy and a bit weird. But for almost everything other than resources, it's a nice dot for dot trade. Yeah, and that works particularly well with emotional investment, given the way that the dot scaling works, because of the whole kind of exponential curve of white wolf dot systems as compared to linear stuff the linear stuff would be where the resources thing would work perfectly with the dot system but no (laughs) it's sort of the case of however you do it as intimacies as dots whatever you like you want to keep track of all the people you get owing you and as a ragara player we don't normally give players advice but as a ragara player i think you do also want to keep that in mind if you find sort of npcs especially that's an angle I would try and, like, make sure your storyteller's okay with it, but as a ragger NPC, that's an angle I would try to push for with a lot of NPCs. If they're trying to give you a little quest, if you have the standard quest giver NPC, you make sure they know that I'm doing this as a favour. I will keep track of this. <laughs> and you as a player should, so that then if you find yourself in that sticky spot of, oh, no, we're on the run for the law, wait. So one of the local guards owes me quite a bit. I saved his daughter from that Luna. You think you could convince them to look over in this part of town where we're not for a bit while we walk out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that needs to run kind of the gamut from favours to material stuff to whatever. It is the mafia kind of relations. You do things because you respect the person and that that person will look after you. That will require a bit of character role play. That kind of the insidious supportive moneylender is something that and it doesn't work too well if your game is globe trotting yes but if you are fixed in place yeah which weirdly despite exalted's grand scale and almost every other regard exalted games as far as i can tell do tend to be quite fixed in place that's my experience thing because things snowball in place but then again we might just be two freaks who have (laughs) just got that kind of Mm. outlier but then again, the, the Ragara moneylenders kind of scenario, that almost feels like something for a Ragara NPC rather than for players, because you can then have the FaceTime with it. Yeah, you see it as the moneylender argument, whereas I was kind of seeing it from the front of turning the standard RPG adventurer trope on its head of like, yes, look, these random villagers have given us quests and we're doing it for basically nothing, of then, no, calling it in. I saved you. The whole bit of, even if you're doing a wild hunt, it'd be a bit bold to try and call in fealty from the peasants after doing your job on a wild hunt. I think that wouldn't stop any raggers. <laughs> of, no, your village is only still standing because of me and my service. 
it's the sort of thing again, like, like I'm saying, turning the standard RPG adventure on its head by demanding something for it. Yeah, the financialization of everything. Yeah, or the transactionalization. Because again, even if it's not material, my mind first went to, oh, we saved that guard's daughter. Don't worry, they won't come for us. Yeah, although to pull that off for a PC group, you need buy-in from the players. Uh, something yeah. to potentially encourage and suggest for Ragara players to do. But again, the final call is with them. Yeah, it's basically because the being a guy who knows a guy is kind of very much a Ragara thing. And I think that's one of the more benign archetypes you can do for Ragara. Even if the knowing a guy is less a friend and more someone who happens to owe you four talents of jade, despite being a farmer. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's painful. But it's that sort of thing of you can build any house into any sort of stat line, but Ragaras feel like they should be social specced. Yes. And that's, again, another difference as to why Mafia are not Yakuza, because the Mafia are the social folk. They want people who know people and who are connected to the family and all this sort of stuff. It feels like a very particular type of loyalty to House Ragara that they have. It's what makes me really frustrated that Exalted doesn't do the Pathfinder or D&D thing of different casting stats, because Ragara would be, especially given that they're summoners as well, they would be the perfect charisma casters. Or rather, manipulation casters in Ragara's case, let's be honest. That would be painful then, because if you have someone who's been groomed within House Ragara and then exalts as a Luna, but yeah, <laughs> that's the closest you'll get. <laughs> that's a special episode on its own, potentially at the end of this series, potentially somewhere else, of just anathema within the houses as a quick run. <laughs> yes. I can't remember any for the realm. I know a few for Lookshy, weirdly, because mm. one of the second edition iconic solas was Gens Carol. I know how Lookshy tends to manifest it when people go out of whack, but I feel there is mileage for talking about it with, with the great houses. Yes. Um, anyway, back on topic. <laughs> yes, we should probably get to talking about the different games that you can play with Ragara player characters. Yeah. The trouble you may have noticed, dear listener, is if you've got a party full of Ragaras, who on earth's your villain? <laughs> it's hard to go down. Uh, the answer, as best we can discern, there have been discussions about this, is that your best bet yeah. is probably the Raksha. And even then, they're not so unworkable that you can't schmooze your way into them. Well, schmoozing a Raksha, if you can get them to the point of talking and striking a bargain, that's absolutely their deal, which is also part of Ragara stuff contracts. But the Raksha we kind of wanted to highlight because that's not something that House Ragara seem to be programmed to deal with regularly as a tool. We've already mentioned that they do things with demons and so on. They can do things with ghosts and handle the underworld. I mean, there's some stuff about them dealing with the Death Lords. They have lines with Walker, at least. That's not saying much everyone has lines with Walker, but hey. Yeah. So there are kind of means for the Ragara to deal with those sorts of threats. They're familiar things, whereas the Raksha can just be your total left field. What on earth's going on? None of our standard anti-spirit stuff seems to work sort of thing. It's a bit more of an unknown threat, whereas you'll likely find someone within House Ragara fairly close to player characters that will be able to tell you something about most other stuff. Yeah, and Raksha as well. They don't think the same way, is the thing. Because the undead, for all their qualms, are ultimately people. They think like a people. They can be manipulated like a people. Yes. Demons don't, but House Ragga is familiar enough with them that they're in the mindset. They know if a demon's misbehaving, there are things you can offer it. Raksha are inherently chaotic and random by nature. 
which for a house that likes to manipulate and likes to get in your head and play with you that way, is very, very difficult to work with because you cannot tell what a Raksha's going to do. If one of them turns up, they're just as likely to torture village as they are to spend a day frolicking in the meadows. Yeah, so presenting them as a villain to a Ragara group of player characters, it can work really quite nicely because it both plays into how Ragara work and is at the same time something that's quite different. The piece of comedy to do with it as well. This does require me to explain a tiny bit of how the Fae worked in 2nd edition, which was unique to say the least. They were playable then. Um, the And it is from that book that I'm drawing this that a lot of the Raksha that come into creation... When they shape themselves, which is the term they use for giving themselves a fixed physical form so that they can exist in creation, they don't do it at random. They are... Uh, how do I explain this in a way that doesn't make me sound absolutely insane? They believe that they have a role in some kind of story. They hear in creation because it entertains them, not because it has something they need. They're archetypal. They take archetypal forms. Yeah. Yes. They take archetypal forms and they tend to behave as if everyone else is doing that because they assume that's the only reason you take one form all the time. They don't get people. <laughs> We've discussed how Ragara look. Yeah. The heroic fairy. Hmm. That's a thing that was explicitly described in the old second edition playable Raksha books as a thing that you can do of one who's decided that his role is to be a hero and help the little people. The first thing that would do upon seeing House Ragger is try to rip it apart. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And you can completely go along the lines of your moustache twirling villains for Ragger in that case, if you want to. I mean, except the players are the moustache twirlers. Yeah, you'd have to have players who are happy being moustache twirlers. And or even if they're not, it's the case of the, that fairy absolutely believes it, and Raksha are able to get followers. That's not a thing that never happens. So it's the case of going around there whipping up a band of people who are yelling and screaming about all of the evils of House Ragger, and your other realm people being like. No, no, that's anathema and it's bad, but are they wrong, though? <laughs> yeah, I'm... Sorry, I'm I'm just now having images of All Might from My Hero Academia as a fae who is opposing <laughs> House Ragara, just being everything that's good in the world because that's what they want to be. And if you want to be fun with it as well, your Ragara players then can... Basically, if you don't want to pick a direct fight with it, which this kind of fairy, I'd imagine, is most fun if you make them very big and very powerful. There's the other way to deal with them is by convincing the fairy that it's not read who the right villain is. And you get the Ragara intel game of, no, we're not evil. We're just rich and people are, 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 are jealous of our wealth. Look at who's really evil. Point them at, I don't know, has Venif or something deranged. Actually, I picked that at random, but Venif is probably about right for who Ragara would point that kind of mess at. Try to, anyway. I mean... Or Nellans, actually, because Nellans look just as evil. <laughs> yeah, Nell Nellans are the flavour of the month for who aren't in debt to House Regera. So, but one of the things you will have to kind of clear it with, I mean, part of this is the tone of the podcast, I think, but we've been playing up the notion of evil as sort of hammy. That's the way this conversation feels like it's kind of going. But you need to sort out with your players what sort of a tone you're doing if you're doing a game with enough Ragara PCs for Ragara Object to become prominent. So yeah. if you want to make it cartoonish villainy, then clear that up it's, at the start. If you want it to be realistic to highlight that, clear it at the start. Yeah, it, it is the case of, I should mention though, the Heroic Fairy archetype, I immediately turned it into comedy because the longer you think about it, the funnier the idea gets, given what the Raksha are. You can absolutely play it straight and serious. 
and have it be a genuine problem of we've been working so hard for so long to conceal all of our shenanigans and now a literal raksha has crawled out of the woodwork and is starting to expose it all, not because it had any evidence, but because it just believed that we were that bad because someone that we had in debt said so, and it's powerful enough that it started being able to dig things up. Yes, and at that point you can keep the rumour mill turning over and public perception becomes the thing you have to manage. Bonus points if people don't know it's a raksha until late in the game. Yes, absolutely, that's the key. And... That can almost be the ace up the sleeve for the Ragara players, the ultimate discrediting. Oh, thank God it's not human. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, you can't trust what this thing's been saying. It's a fair folk. Yes, that's what, they, that's what they do. They lie and deceive. Yes. We've not said just kill the thing, because that kind of a nemesis needs to be a nemesis. It's why I'd argue you make it the higher end of fair folk power. The level where taking it in a direct fight is something that dragons below essence four will have a very hard time doing <laughs> yeah and again that's another way to sort of leverage the followers to create that sort of a gap where you don't want collateral damage because that looks bad make it clear that collateral damage is bad and so you need to avoid that you want a bit of comedy with it oh dear we've established how the power behind the throne of the immaculate order is probably not very pro ragara no if they have any idea what's going on they will not like it Mm-hmm. So what if monks start joining this clown? Mm. You, that makes it very untouchable. Oh no, they're just renegade monks. The order doesn't stand with this rabble rousing. We're pro order and pro law and all of this, but we're not going to excommunicate them for espousing their moral beliefs. And it's who's subverting who sort of argument there. <laughs> yes. That would work very well for an aisle game, just because yeah. all of those politics are a lot more present. And so, yeah, you can play around with those ideas a lot more than in the threshold because you've immediately got all of those concerns being there. And an expectation of what the order would normally do is already there. That's why I sort of like the idea of the, the Raksha in question genuinely does just hear that Ragra are baddies from some like peasant farmer that it's helping when its barn burns down or something like that. And they're like, oh, how's Ragra going to take everything I own for this? And that's when the Raksha just decides, they're my villain. Wonderful. I have a goal. And so it starts with the mundane thing of the debt collection and the ultravance and all of that. And it, it escalates into other things as it discovers this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's quite cute. I'm sorry. That's the only way I can think of that. It's just kind of, oh, you just want to kind of... It's a villain that can be really sympathetic when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, the way the Raksha work with their archetypes, they are absolutely genuine for them. For them, it's not a bit. It's who they are as long as they are on this plane. And so it's the thing, no, this Raksha genuinely thinks he's being a hero and he's doing the right thing. It's why the way that you can beat this if you don't want to pick a fight with it, which you probably don't, is just convince it that you're not the baddies. The issue is your house Ragara. <laughs> yeah, playing the political blame game is part of that. Having that sort of thing as an antagonist to something where you've, well... I don't really imagine this sort of thing being an imperial city, imperial palace 
level no. politics game at all. It's, it's petty prefectural politics. But it can ramp is the yeah. thing as it goes. You can make it a real sort of what Tyler moment where it starts tiny and it just starts ballooning up because we've discussed this in several other episodes how the actual populace of the Isle is a powder keg waiting to go up. You can have this hero that comes to save you from all the things be the one that does it. Bonus points as well if one of the first things it actually does is take out a lunar or something like that to really build its name because you need to basically have it in its early days behave as the local realm peasantry will tell it is heroic fight anathema save the innocent etc 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 and it's just when it decides that now villain equal ragara it then already has that legitimacy behind it of no we saw it take on a luna what thing that kills lunas could be bad yes absolutely before we get too carried away in fairy stories we should probably talk about some of the other games (laughs) Yeah, the Inner Circle. We've kind of mentioned them a little bit with the Black Ops shenanigans with Old Man Ragara. And yeah, even if your players are diehard Ragara loyalists because they felt like really twirling their moustaches, completely cognizant and doing exactly what they want, I don't think you should ever have the the Inner Circle feel like co-protagonists. No. I would almost argue that if you have someone in the party who's wanting to be a Ragara sorcerer, then the Inner Circle can absolutely function as a quest giver slash ally slash mentor kind of figure. Slash spell book. You want to know a big funny ritual that we think can help you with this? If you can just go to this place at this time and do this funny magical thing, why? No, don't ask questions. <laughs> yes. Just sort of bring them in in that, in that sort of a way and potentially dangle the carrot of, you could be one of us, you are showing yeah. quite some promise. And Even if not that carrot, just... Paying in occult knowledge, which yeah. for a sorcerer, I'd argue, is better than its weight in gold. And the kind of stuff that the inner circle will know is definitely going to be better than its weight in gold. Yeah, I just think that that's one way you can kind of really play up the Ragger, a sorcerer, prodigy archetype as having the ultimate goal being becoming part of the inner circle. Oh, I tell you something you could steal for this. And it's within Exalted's frame. It's not been adapted into third yet. I think it might be in essence... I haven't checked Essence's rules enough to know. But if you wanted a proper Ragorous Sorceress prodigy, like the rising star that even the Inner Circle are not just lying to you to get you to do what they want, but genuinely thinking, you know what, he's probably due a seat at some point. Give him an Infernal Coagitator to translate, because I've just said some things that don't even sound like words to some people. That's the thing that 2nd Edition Infernals had that was, quite literally, the devil on your shoulder that told you to do... Yozy things and gave you power in exchange. That sort of thing, as sort of a familiar type thing, would work quite nicely. And you play the bargain angle with it. You do the Mm. old coadjutor thing of, no, just do this little thing and I'll give you some power. I'll give you this, that, or the other. Make it always bargains. That's Ragara's vibe. That's what they like. Mm. And so you have. Yeah. Again, that sort of thing can really play as a reward for a character or, or some sort of development stage for them to kind of work towards and a reason for them to do all sorts of things, horrible things, preferably. Yeah, it can also be a case of, especially if you want to have a player character, this kind of, I'd argue, almost does require a player who knows exactly what House Ragara is and is making the conscious choice for having their sorcerer still have some bright-eyed view about it, despite being a Ragara sorcerer. Which, it's not as impossible as that sounds. Again, all of the Exalted rulebooks make it very clear that the way the realm and the way that creation in general sees summoning demons is not as the term implies to a western mind it's more it's a tool it's not always a pleasant tool but it's a tool ragara's problem is less that they summon demons and more that they cut deals with them (laughs) but you can have it be the bit that slowly makes the player realize the inner circle might not be all that good you know 
because they said they were going to accelerate my sorceress education, but this little demon they've summoned on me is telling me to burn down people's houses. <laughs> yeah, it's at that point where you start to lament the fact that Exalted doesn't have a humanity stat. Yeah. Now, dragons... Uh, yeah, yeah. I back and forth every week on how I feel about dragons being able to limit break. But if ever there was a case where it was a reason to be in favour, this is where you can use your limit clocking up as an equivalent to a humanity stat. I tend to, and again, my players will know this, I tend to basically ignore the limit system for dragons because the Great Curse doesn't manifest like that in them. They don't go crazy. It is entirely optional. It's an XP bonus. Basically. But yeah, this is a case where you could use it. Yeah, if you ever wanted to start building in a dragon-blooded limit track, then this sort of thing of the morality of it would work quite nicely. But quite how you do that, I'm not really sure. Without just cribbing the solar stuff whole cloth. Again, this is the reason I tend to never use the dragon limit is entirely because... To have it would actually require you to make some metaphysical decisions about what a dragon is as well. Yeah. Because part of their shtick is that they don't go that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. No. But yeah, that's just a little idea with the Inner Circle. Next up, though, we finally get to the Ragara PC games. Uh, after, again, just to lift the veil for you there, viewers. From the beginning to now, has been about eight lines in our little notes document. That's the level of tangent we hit. Yes! <laughs> well, ta you say tangent, I say in-depth discussion. I think the fairy tale counts as a tangent. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> and the idea of giving Ragra PCs infernal coagitators. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> we know you. Any excuse to get Malpheus involved and you just jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. Hey, look, Ragra Sorcerer with a coagitator of Swillin, of she who lives in her name. That's entirely an archetype I'd be here for. Yes, fair enough. Anyway, Ragra anyway, PC, Ragra PC games. games. Steal things. Steal lots of things, artifacts and magical things, preferably. Yeah, I'm not sure, because the Indiana Jones archetype is almost more Sinus than it is Ragara. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying Indiana Jones. Okay. I'm not saying go tomb raiding. Okay. Come on now, there's dust and bones and muck there. That's not for <laughs> Ragara. This is stealing ones that have already been acquired. Oh, so you're breaking into museums. Breaking into museums or people's houses or... Heck, you mentioned Sinus, going to a gala and finding a way to get that lovely diclave on the mantle out. Yeah, although museums are not a thing that really exists in creation. So, yeah, private collections and family heirlooms and stuff are the way to go. Leveraging debt to force people to pawn their stuff and other things like that. Yeah. In fact, with a full Ragra party, you can actually go for the full... These are broad-spectrum heist-come-con sort of thing that you get in uh, another very good television show to recommend for you called Leverage. Now that you've just said that, that twigged it in my head, which is all about that sort of nonsense, because you can, all within the Ragra archetype, like, yeah, here's the debt collector one, here's the clever big planny one, here's the one that likes to punch things. <laughs> which is an RPG party as much as it is the cast of that show. Yes, no, that works absolutely. And how you get multi-house... Um, people involved in that. Uh, you just make sure that the people they're stealing from are the enemies of the other house. Make the house goals coincide for these particular tasks and make the political fallout, maybe, of something like that, or social fallout, more likely, be something that will benefit both parties. 
Yeah, it's the, here's the rag repellex party. Hey guys, we're going to go rob some Venefs. You on board? <laughs> yeah, which is potentially another thing that we didn't really talk about too much in the themes, but Ragara don't really have long-term allies. They have allies of convenience. Yeah. So any sort of reliance on other houses will probably need to be something that's built on the personal level, and it can't really go that much higher. So it needs to be either a personal friendship that's quite actively built up against the general predilections of House Ragara, or it's going to be something that is very transactional, is the usual way it's done. Speaking of allies of convenience and the heist games, we've been talking about multi-house parties. Ragara, for the first time, has real mileage for multi-splat parties. Yes. Hi there, Mr. Solar Man. I hear you're quite the thief. I happen to have a job. <laughs> and you get the case of the Ragara mastermind with the nightcast Solar who gets to do the break and grab. Yes, absolutely. And potentially, well, it depends on how high up you want the Ragara to be, but might not really know what the Solar is in any great amount of detail and won't care if they find out. If they do find out, then there might be some questions and kind of... But it will have to be something higher up, someone higher up to not I've, care actively. I've got a better one for you, actually. Your Agra one is low down and is desperate for whatever reason. You can yeah. contrive a character reason and find out a way to make the character think it's life or death, I need to get this thing. They don't know about the house's shadier things. They think what they're doing is a massive transgression and they're trying to hide it from the house as well. <laughs> and so when some other Ragaras find out and they're like, oh, you used a night cast. You're like, oh, God, they're going to kill me. And they're like, why would we do that? You got it. Again, that sort of thing requires player buy-in, but... Yeah, it requires player buy-in or player not knowing Ragara. Yes. Which, again, we aim this podcast at people who are newer to it. It's the weird thing that we're having to say repeatedly with this one, that if you have a player that doesn't know House Ragara very well, that is the best possible player to get to do a Ragara game with. <laughs> Yes, particularly if you've then got other players who do and can set up all of the things that go bump in the night and just a nod and a wink. And You can do multi-splat games with House Ragara. You will probably fall into the mastermindy or the guy who knows a guy or the facilitator slot as the dragon in that, but that's more just because of how multi-splat games tend to manifest than anything else. Yeah, because the power level of dragons doesn't tend to lend them to being the sort of in-your-face frontline bunch unless you've got someone who is very, very keen to be a celestial in the background, which really just feels wrong, <laughs> frankly. Depends what kind of celestial. It's possible. Twilights. Yeah, Twilights and Sidereals won't want to be on the front lines too much. but And mm. Trixie Lunas, Changing Moons. Looting the Threshold is our second little line here, which kind of comes back to the, in part, the Indiana Jones thing. Scavenging in the scavenger lands, anyone can do that, but Ragara knows what they're looking for. Yes. The differentiation there for me is that making it so that you have specific directives and kind of shopping lists in a way that other houses would not necessarily have. Mm. I'd also say the difference is Aldal will go kicking around a dusty tomb. A Ragara will go to Chiaroscuro and try and break into one of the flats. Ragara robbery isn't robbing the dead, it's robbing the very much alive. <laughs> because Ragara, they are inherently transgressive. And that, I think, is the thing that we will keep coming back to, that Ragara as a house and as a mindset is all about transgression. 
Yeah, and it's also from a pragmatic perspective as well. There's not really much point in stealing something or finding something and looting for it and exerting yourself for it if you don't know what it does. Yeah, it's these sorts of things. The third little one on our list, which gets a bit more interesting than robbery for once, we have listed down here as Realm Black Ops, which it requires a couple of considerations about House Ragara that I don't think are too out of the realm of possibility because Ragara has people everywhere. Okay. Ragara has people in the bureaucracy. Yes. And in the Wild Hunt and the like. Yep. When the bureaucracy and or the Wild Hunt and the like has a problem that it knows the mundane tools can't fix, the Ragara man there might quietly put a note back to the house of, no, this is a big problem and it will be a problem for all of us. I'm not telling them how we're fixing it, but it would be nice if we could. And it's the case of Ragara being the ultimate deniable asset because most of the realm doesn't even know what they're doing. That's one of the ways you can make a good and heroic Ragara, by the way, doing something that is genuinely in the realm's interest. It's just you're using Ragara means because whoever's given you the mission doesn't think the realm's normal tools are going to be up for the job. Yeah, and you can play up the threat to house and realm from a structure perspective. It's a little difficult in some ways, given House Ragara's perspective on the Civil War, because if they're convinced that the House can survive without the realm, they won't be too bothered. But if it's something that poses big threats to their interests elsewhere, then yes, there is that. Again, allies of convenience, finding common interests between the different parties to make the Ragara work with others. It's why I would say in this case, weirdly, the ally of convenience, I would say, wouldn't even be a big heretical one. Again, my eyes are always to the east. That's my area of expertise. But this is the realm look shy crossover game. This is where you go to the Legion and be like, we've got a problem because this kind of problem, I imagine it's going to have to be anathema or somehow magical. And those Maybe. are the things where look shy is more willing to shake hands with the realm and get to work because they are both immaculate. Yeah, if you can dress it up in immaculacy, then you can absolutely get to that. The other flip side, of course, if you want to be a bit more cynical and a bit more raggera about it, these can also be the goals that are there to make either the house raggera or the man raggera look very, very good. And the whole not getting it because the realm's tools won't work, but quietly getting the mission before the rest of the bureaucracy gets it filled through so that he looks better for when he inevitably tries and says, you know what, maybe I should have the throne. <laughs> Look at all the good things I've done. And you, the players, would not be aware that that's the main reason for this, because Ragaroos always only need to know. And the operatives just need to know they're doing a good for the realm. And that could also flow in quite nicely to a kind of a Civil War game setup, that you kind of see them do some very, very exciting set piece heists or the takedowns or whatever that are just manoeuvring the right pieces of the Ragarat apparatus into place and getting them seen in just the right way, getting them just the right friends, and then everything will connect when the powder keg ignites. Let's be honest, as much as we talked up Banabas in the old thing, it's going to be old man Ragara who makes the move. Yeah, probably. Banabas is the boss right now, but if old man Ragara thinks he has even a modicum of a chance at the throne, I think he'd put a knife in Banabas before he did it, before anything else. Yes, that's absolutely fair, given Ragara's characterisation. He put a knife in it and said Nemon did it. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone would believe him frankly yeah, maybe maybe leading Ragara gets assassinated by magic let's be honest Ragara would use magic yes who looks most guilty <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
No, I can absolutely see that one. It's her MO, but there's no love lost. The other one that we haven't already talked about, I think we've already talked through a good chunk of the list, is figuring out the house mystery as a game. This works if you've got those young idealistic raggers who don't really know what's going on. And ideally players that don't know what ragger is like. Yeah. And it also would work as a Civil War prelude and trigger if you've got a mixed house dragon blood game because if you can get the ragger pcs to be horrified enough to say this needs to be stopped please help me take my house down that can play really nicely but again that will depend on the players this is also where you can especially if you don't want to make them do the whole turn against the house thing and if you have players that know house ragger well enough to know this is kind of evil you make the mystery less house ragger as a whole and more what's the old man up to yeah and you can then have the piece of everyone thinking, oh, it's House Ragara doing this. And you'd be like, no, no, it's 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 him. And you can really play up the difference. Whether or not there is one as a mystery between Banabas' command and Old Man Ragara's. And heck, if it gets too hot leading to a civil war situation, like you said, I could absolutely see one of them cutting the other off and saying, no, we disavow. We didn't know what they were up to. Yes, the ultimate play for that sort of a game would be setting those two against each other, I feel. And... Either running to House Ladal with concrete evidence and letting everything go to pot. So you say Ladal, that's the nice one to run to. Yeah, okay, Namon is the other one. No, Cessus. Okay, Cessus. Cessus has beef with Ragara, yeah. but unlike the other two, Cessus has a working assassination apparatus. <laughs> there is that. I'm just seeing the visual now, frankly, of Banabas when he's finally been convinced that old man Ragara is... Let's be honest, he won't have any moral issues with what Old Man Ragger is doing. He'll have issues with that he got caught. But I'm seeing the whole image there of turning up with the diclave and just like, sorry, you're bad for business. <laughs> Not bad for business. I think the best way to do that and to set up that is to set up the different personalities properly. And Yeah. I, um, oh. Yeah. Oh. I think you've just seen where I'm going with this. But Go ahead. I hope you're going in the same direction I am. You set up all of the different personalities and make them feel different make them feel like different people but what i would ultimately do but it would have to be down to your players unfortunately i mean we're busy talking about all these set pieces and it depends on what your players do and that's in a way kind of disappointing but if you can get bonoba to believe that ragara himself is trying to do bad things against ragarasaurus haral who is bonoba's love interest and nephew and nephew, and we'll do anything to protect him is kind of the big key here. Yeah. That's Bonoba's big weakness. So if you can get players to realise that and play that off and blame Ragara for it. See, now, you almost went in exactly the same direction I did, but we've approached this from different ends. You say leverage Bonobas to make old man Ragara think that he's a threat to the boyfriend. I say leverage the boyfriend to make him think that old man Ragara is a threat to Bonoba. No, sorry, that was what I meant, but yeah. Okay, yes. yeah. Sorry, I thought it was the other way yeah. around of you thinking that make him think he's going to ice his boyfriend, which I have no qualms that Old Man Ragnar would do. I just question why. Um, yes, that's the trick. Yeah, whereas killing Banaba, it's like, yeah, you're only here because he needs the house to be running while he dedicates himself to another plan. Once that plan's done, you're replaceable. Yes, with Ragnar as the one you're wanting to start things off, then it should be fairly simple to convince Ragnar that Haral is a threat to Bonoba operating properly and then he needs to be taken down for operational reasons. If you're trying to get 
Bonoba to be the one that boils over and gets angry, then setting up some sort of plot led by Ragara to kill Haral is going to be a bit more dicey. We'll be need to be a bit more creative with that one. I tell you the flip side of this. We've been approaching this like, of course, old man Ragger is the evil one and Banaba's going to be the one that rises up against him. Now, what if we did this the other way around? What if you do your digging, you do your mystery, and I can wholly believe that for the bulk of the game, you, the players will, especially if they know how to Ragger, this is again a way that players having the knowledge actually works against them. They will think, oh, of course, old man Ragger is the more evil one. He's hiding away doing shady magic things. There's one thing he could have been doing with all his demon contacts and hoarding magic and all of that stuff that makes him not evil, and it relies on him having one piece of knowledge that has not become public in the realm. Spoilers, people. I'm leveraging Return of the Scarlet Empress again. Yes. He knows where she is, and he's working on a solution. And so it's the case of you're thinking, oh, we've got to stop him. And then but he's secretive enough that you probably will almost successfully stop him. Segue in. Or if he finally reveals, no, this is bad. You fools! And all this stuff. Again, it's a way to segue in, not just to the Civil War, but into the... Hi, the Empress has been playing with a Yozi. <laughs> Ragara was the hope for creation. <laughs> that would be a magnificent thing to pull, but I really feel you need to breadcrumb it properly. My big fear with something like that is that you'll do the no, you fools, this is why I'm doing it sort of speech, and it will yeah. feel like something that comes out of nowhere. It, no, you do need it, to set you do need to set it up. Yeah. It needs to be foreshadowed, otherwise you end up with Snape. The way you can foreshadow it relatively easily is by the breadcrumb trail the players follow to even figure out that Old Man Ragger is doing a plot is the artifact heists. You make sure they know exactly what those artifacts are and what they do. Because that can be how you piece together why would you need all these tools? Like, why would you need let's say, some first-age solar artificial sun. Why do you need something that some random lunars were using because it sealed up holes to the wild? Why would you need these things and the other thing? You make it so that the players are assuming there must be something nefarious here when the plan is basically, when she tries to come through, blast her back and close the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a technological solution to, to that sort of thing. The book's always mentioned with Old Man Ragra. They don't mention much about him seeking out occult knowledge. They mention him seeking out artifacts. And so I think that's the way that you breadcrumb what he's doing of the setup of, no, he knows. Or not that he knows, rather, he figured it out. Potentially, if you want to make it properly morally complex, because he was going to try something similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that happening. It's the awkward thing of you're going to commit a horrible crime and then your mum's there. Either that or you do the bait and switch at the last minute. and he's, he's he, working with her. No, no. He's preparing for some kind of big sorceress move against the Imperial Mance and whatever else. He's not preparing against the return of the Empress. He's preparing against Namon's big move. <laughs> Which is entirely in character, but it just happens that there is actually something bigger in play if you want to do the whole Return of the Scarlet Empress. Oh, and then in your Return of the Scarlet Empress thing, it's the horrifying thing of one of the little missions you can give your players to try and help save the thing when you're working with the Rose Black, who is the only good person to work with in that story. Uh, no, I'm not <laughs> taking criticisms. Is break old man Ragara out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that totally makes sense. We've got to save creation. <laughs> For additional irony, he's being held in the nail. Of course, he was already there. That's the better one, because otherwise I'd be for, I think, the not quite the second episode in a row. We've had a little bit of an intervenement, but for almost the second episode in a row, talking about breaking into the Imperial Mance, because <laughs> this has come up before. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Because the Return of the Scarlet Empress is pretty much the only thing that Exalted really has as meta plot, so... 
It doesn't need much more, to be fair. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. But yeah, all of that sort of aside, you can pick who's in the wrong, or if you want to be funny, you can make them both be doing something evil. Yes! That one works especially if you give the players another house's agent that keeps trying to reach out to them that they will, for one reason or another, rebuff. Because then it's their problem when they get played by one side against the other when both of them were doing horrible things. Yeah, and you need to make sure that you know what that other agent is doing and what they know. Just in case they do take them up on it, it will massively accelerate things if they do take them up on it and take them at their word, which, yeah, you need to give them reasons not to. Yeah, the easy option is, again, if it's a mostly raggera party, or even if there are any raggeras in the party, make it a Nimon agent, because they'll assume that their plan here is just to kill us all and be done with it because it's Nimon. Yeah, and... Also, that it would be an interesting thing because a Nimon spy being publicly good and involved in something, and by good I mean good at their job. Yeah. Competent. <laughs> yeah, that's something of an oddball in and of itself. So it will raise eyebrows. Nimon occult investigator. It's a, it, a Nimon that really wishes they were a Ladal, basically. Except, again, being a Nimon, Ladal will be... For all we talk them up for being lunatics in their own episode, the Dal are a little more pragmatic, whereas a Nemon filling those same pair of boots will be a lot more... a lot more 40k Inquisition about things. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go in that sort of an area, but more idealistic because they're driven by Nemon's own preferences to a degree that Ladal isn't. But also they'll have a, and this is important if you do want to make the game very much about House Ragra, which probably should at this point, you make sure you do make and show the players good Ragaras, because that'll be the main reason that they won't want to work with this Nemon, because the one bias they will have is, yeah, everyone in House Ragra is evil and deserves the boot. And it's the case of, but what about Ragara Jeff? He uses all the proceeds from his extortion to fund orphanages. (laughs) (laughs) And probably doesn't get an awful lot of money for doing it, if that's the case. Yeah, he actually lives quite modestly, but he still has violent debt collectors. Yeah, that comes with the title, but he uses it for good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at which point you start having conversations about the greater good and everything that that involves. Yeah, but yeah, you can have both sides be doing an evil ploy if you want. The old man Ragra is doing something big and magical and scary, whereas Banaba is doing something more mundane and scary that puts him on the throne. But both of them are being evil about it. Yes. And given that we've kind of talked about kind of fleshing out all of the various different types of Ragra, we should probably talk about doing Ragra NPCs at this point and what the kind of the typical ones are. Because to me, at least, your your typical Ragara is someone like Littlefinger. Littlefinger and the Lannisters, to use a Song of Ice and Fire reference points. Littlefinger in the sense of little quizlings who get stuff done and are really good with money and just have their own goals and will quietly carry on with them until disturbed, at which point they lash out. Yeah, it is that sort of thing. It is also the... Again, we reference it all throughout the lore section that... Genuinely, prequel-era Palpatine is not a bad reference point to draw, not just for the old man himself, but for like how a lot of the house presents. Yes. They also need to have big veneers of respectability, and I think the Immaculate Order is a good way to do that, mm. because House Ragnarok as a whole is tolerant of heresies in various ways, but if you also kind of slide into the idea of 
people in the Immaculate Order who are fully behind the idea of the Order until you realise that they're actually doing things for the house. And little hints of Immaculates knowing more than they should and those sorts of things, how you drop in with that sort of a character, that you do have specialists within the Order, demonologists and demon fighters within the Order. So depending on where you are and how they're operating, they can fit quite naturally or they can stick out depending on how you want to position that knowledge is within the order itself. So it depends on what you're trying to achieve with them, I suppose. To be fair, I'd almost argue that it's a bit more spicy if it's like, no, the order does have demon people. And so the Ragara having all of that specific knowledge doesn't immediately start ringing alarm bells. Yeah. Um, and that is the other thing you can do with them, of course. The surprise reveal of the demon working, as much as we said that creation as a whole doesn't tend to view working with demons as a moral function, more just as a tool, it still indisputably works for players as a, oh, he works with demons! That must be bad! <laughs> yes, well, if you're dealing with players who are new to the setting, particularly. Even ones who aren't, there is still a tendency to read mm. Malpheus as plainly evil and anything that ties to it as signs of evilness, even amongst veteran players. Yes. And one of the other things you can do if you're doing something that's for the good of the house is actually make a proper diabolist, as in demon worshipper, a ragger who's gone wrong, who has fallen in love with his tools, so to speak. It's the Neoma girlfriend argument again, isn't it? <laughs> this is where it's heading. It's because you just use the phrase, they fall in love with your tools. I know you mean it in a worshipping sense, but in this case, it could be literally. <laughs> yes. All sorts of different ways that engaging with demons could be against both realm and house ragger interests. It's again, lining up those little coincidences that make the house ragger games fall into place yeah. with other stuff. If you're dealing with longer term campaigns, I imagine that stuff is quite difficult to engineer. But if you're dealing with something that's only a story arc or two, then you can jury rig those sorts of conversations to be something else. I like the idea of it as a surprise reveal as well, because even if you have players already know what House Ragger is like and have their suspicions, this is how you do it in a longer term one, where mm. you have very, very little be given away about the magical side. You have them fully know that it's an air aspect, Ragra, yeah, that's not uncommon, but you sort of you can lead them down the road of, okay, this is the banking mafia, Ragra, and he can be a problem, but not a massive one, you know, in the way that most Ragra are for most people. And it's the bit then only late into the game where you've had to deal with this guy occasionally stepping on your toes throughout, and it's that's the one time where you see the sacrificial knife that he's not so cleverly disposed of, and you're like, oh, God. Uh. Oh, it's this. And then whether it's novice players having the scary, oh, no, what does this mean reaction, or experienced players being, oh, God, it was one of those. <laughs> yeah, e either will work. In both cases, for a longer term game, because Ragra is a house of two halves, as we sort of said, you make them think it's the other half. You can do it the other way around as well, if you really want to be funny, of make a Ragra that is, for use of a better term, evil sorcerer coded. You know, it's full robes. can even have them do magic if you want, and that sort of thing. So everyone's expecting, it must be demons, it must be demons. And if there is a demonic threat, even better, just for the case of when it's revealed, no, this was the anathema that you were supposed to be after. You were expecting Ragara betrayal. This guy is just a Ragara sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great red herring. Yeah, that can work nicely. And, and another one that we've got on, we've got on the list is 
Ragger a smuggler. I would kind of almost broaden this off to be fixer as well. They can get you anything you want. For a price. <laughs> yes. And exactly what that price is can kind of suck you into making this sort of a character request giver saying, well, can you just do this for me? And that sort of thing. And also what some of the things, if you've got Ragara PCs involved, I mean, this, this would work entirely well for a non Ragara party. I mean, I'd kind of lean a bit more towards the clandestine houses as well, or even some kind of exigence game, maybe, or something like that, or I don't know, a, a small solar or loot um, game, less lunars, but Luna game where you're all wearing cover as raggeras. <laughs> yeah, but this sort of a smuggler can be a sort of a fixer for the house, kind of arranging, right, we've arranged for that artifact to end up in the possession of the house. These people who we know are going to cause chaos because their player characters can end up with this particular artifact. And just getting all of the pieces in place to cause things to go wrong or right as far as they're concerned. And that can be breadcrumbed fairly well, I think, because if you're asking for something, you can start off with being given exactly what you want. And when you've done a few reciprocal quests, there's a bit of a relationship going on. Then the things that the players get given as rewards for service start to be slightly different. I mean, still arguably within the terms of what they asked for, but just a little off. And that offness is because the more specific parts of that thing serve House Ragger's own goals to give you that. Yeah. And equally, of course, this one does let you set up the uh, perils that come with getting inside the little black books of the Ragger's. Yes. Because there may be a case where they will just give you something. That's when you should be afraid. If they didn't give you a quest that you are in the book, even if what they gave you serves their purposes. You are in the book because you took something for free. <laughs> yeah, and then bad stuff happens, which again gives leverage for another type of character, of the Ragara socialite, the kind of throwing ridiculously lavish parties because they can afford to, and just getting everyone involved and talking about stuff, what everyone needs, and just, yeah. oh, we can provide that for you, and all that sort of... The Again, it is the Mafia Don, the sort of charming, almost Batman villain mobster sort of thing. <laughs> um, and that mm. is the thing. I was, if, weirdly, I would straight say, if you had to take the archetypical mobster from anything for Ragara, I wouldn't go with your godfather, ones that are a bit more serious. I would go with the more exuberant mobsters you get in the Batman stuff. Your Don Falcone, your those sorts of ones that yeah. are... The ones that will be a proper criminal businessman that are walking into these big parties in their million-dollar suits and smiling and schmoozing with the best of them while also doing evil things. Heck, it's House Ragara. You can absolutely also have a supervillain alter ego. <laughs> the other bit that we've got down here on the NPCs is using them in non-DB games. And weirdly, here they become more friendly, not less. <laughs> Yes. Because if you are an anathema, especially if you're a solar or one of the... Uh, I hesitate to use the terms. I've gotten in arguments before for calling solars, call, calling celestials the good ones. Uh, but <laughs> from a Ragra point of view, they absolutely are. If you're one of the useful kinds of yes. exalted, Ragra will be more than happy to give you whatever you need for just a little favour. And I almost say they'll be less likely to play you when you're the big, powerful one. You'll still be in the book... 
but it's the fact that the sort of shenanigans that we said before of yes they'll do this in-depth thing with the rewards being secrets to serve their goals you don't need a subtle knife like that with a solar a solar or a lunar is a mallet not a scalpel so you point them and you say go yes and in terms of the rewards and so on and the kind of the trading that will happen as part of that it becomes less monetary because the worth of an anathema is not expressed in jade i mean potentially if you want to kind of buy a particularly gullible anathema off with jade if you can get away with it then do but the ragnarok will i would imagine almost automatically leap to non-material favors that's the big one i'm thinking of they can be like the cult of the illuminated kind of exists for this for solars and the, the lunars have their own ways of getting about but for especially your other ones because n- nothing anywhere says a ragra won't work with an abyssal <laughs> when they get playable but they can be your travel network of oh you need to get across the inland sea well the realm wouldn't like that but fortunately we have a little cabin there's just a couple of these House Nellens uh, merchants that are being busy in your area of the threshold recently. It'd be a shame if something happened to them and then you found your way onto our boat. Yeah, or we'd just like you to make some stops along the way and just make sure that you paid someone a visit, yes? Yeah, that's the thing. Big exalts like that are mallets, not scalpels, and most of the time I feel Ragra will use them destructively. Lunas they might be a bit more subtle with because a shapeshifter has its own applications. And the whole, oh, you need to drink a bit of their blood, do you, to learn how to take their face? That's fine. We can get that. But something like a solar or an abyss or an infernal, it's mostly going to be kill missions or robbing missions or otherwise big, ugly, simple things. Yes. But yeah, with all those ideas stewing around, now we've talked about all of the themes, all of the people, we now get to do the places and everything that we can do with those and just to talk through the various bits of known Ragara prefectures and satrapies and stuff is where we're going with this stuff. Yeah. Out the gate, mostly because we've already kind of covered it in the big explosive end of the realm, me segueing Return of the Scarlet Empress into things again one. But smuggling games in Numa and mysteries to do with what the old man's up to, because Numa smuggling is a very particular kind of smuggling. It's where old man Ragara runs all of his artifacts and it's that sort of thing. That's absolutely a game. You can be his collectors and his fixers. It makes for a nice, sometimes heist, sometimes dungeon crawly sort of game where he's basically giving you, no, there's this artifact, it's supposed to be here, go. Or rather, his man will have given you this because it will be so many degrees removed. And then trying to get it back to him, not being the easy part, weirdly, because for most of these treasure hunting games, once you've got the treasure, it's great. With these things, they're big, scary first age artifacts, and you're trying to get them to an old man in a resort quietly (laughs) without the realm noticing. A resort crawling with monks and pilgrims and so on. So it could get very interesting very quickly. Uh, One of the other things I would play up with this game is almost make it factional. Well, it depends on what kind of a spin you want to put on the Ragara-Bonoba relationship. But if you want those two to be antagonistic, or at least with distinct goals, then having connections to the Inner Circle and Bonoba and trying to keep what you're doing for Ragara hidden is another aspect you can add to that, rather than just making it, oh, simply go fetch a thing and bring it back. I mean, you want maximum shenanigans here. This is entirely me poking a bee nest. 
your final mission, your big climax one there. You'll have had ones before that will have had big combat scenes in them and all these other dramatic things. Your final mission then, where your players thinking this is going to be the massive boss fight, what are we going to do? We're going to rob the Bull of the North or something like that. A first age artifact, a bit of jewellery or something like that, that what it does, uh, you don't need to know, you just need to know to get it, that has been given to Haral as a gift. Yeah. And if anyone's fool enough to put it on in the meantime. <laughs> if the kid's fool enough to put it on, let's be honest. Because if old man Ragra wants it, it's dangerous. I can imagine it's the case of him there in his little resort just... Like, who got it? Oh, great, we have it. What? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> it's the case of bonus points if even Banaba didn't actually know what it did. He knew it was old, but didn't know it was magical. Because it's had, like some specific activation requirements or something. <laughs> but that'd be a fun little one. Mostly because it then lets you climax out the uh, conflicts within the house that you've sort of set up by the final one being robbing other Ragaras. Yeah, and then, again, it depends on how you want to bring in the other houses, but they would be more than happy to, because everyone owes something to House Ragger and wants to take them down. Yeah, and given how they describe him being like a massive power player and fancying himself the next Imperial consort, they do say that Haral is the main drive for Banaba to get the throne, because Banaba doesn't really think he needs it. I can imagine he has personal enemies as well. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a lot of family politics you can muck around with there. It all comes to a head when you start dealing with who's smuggling what and dealing with things in Numa. And moving things through the city, I imagine, would get kind of interesting as well because you've not just got pilgrims and so on, um, I should point out. You've got gods going through there as well. They've basically got the place where the gods need to file their tax returns and basically make their petitions for when they are supposed to be worshipped in according to the Immaculate Pera calendar. That all happens in Numa. So you've got a whole bunch of very powerful beings going around that if they start sniffing out powerful artifacts, you've got people who are going to start making serious amounts of noise. Ragara Monk PC in the party. Specifically because then you've got an extra little resource that you can try and leverage. Yep. I can have a word with the abbot. If you really think that falling Earth the 12th would be a better day for you, I can see if that can happen, if you could just slip a note over. <laughs> yes. Yes, the mercantile worship priest. That's the thing. That's the way you do Ragnar Immaculates, where they're all about, this is what the calendar says, and looking the other way at cults and religious celebrations. The next one, however, is absolutely all in your court because you've brought in mechanics. Playing with Heresy in Riven Key, which is a city, for those of you that have just come straight in here, that was founded by Ragra himself, big old industrial place, very smelly factory place, and absolutely chock full of tiny little local hundred gods heresies. Yes, it is basically in a corner of the aisle that's got so much cosmopolitan stuff going on that it can't really have a lid held on it. Flip it and say, well, how on earth do you keep a lid on this stuff? It goes back to some of the mechanics I was talking about earlier and saying, well, you need to track how much a faction knows about a thing and say how close to completing this particular clock is if X number of incidents have happened to annoy this particular faction, they boil over. In this case, you need to work out what will tick particular heretical factions off, what players can do to combat those. And players will throw you curveballs here, so be ready to adapt what that means on the fly. Just basically, you need to keep this just below the boiling point, but not boiling over. And so the trick is to say, well, 
we need to appease these people or just, just oppress them just enough that they're not mm. prepared to rise up in open revolt, limit things like military force and those sorts of things. So you have resource constrained PCs in several directions, mm. uh, so they can't do everything. I'd actually say as well, this is a perfect opportunity for one of my little pet obsessions to do, which is running parallel games. We've mentioned here in our little list that magistrates or archons can be your antagonists. I'd raise you one better. A different player party of magistrates and archons, their game is investigate what's going on here. And it becomes a game of sort of Tom and Jerry between these two. In Again, the way I tend to structure it is alternating weeks, alternating games with these, but the in-game timescale stays neck and neck so you let this sort of happen of trying to keep each other out of each other's hair your ragara party being like no 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 this needs to stay hidden and the archons being like what's going on here there's something that we're not seeing <laughs> yes and that other thing about magistrates and archons are they being the law enforcers that are looking around they're not someone that you can just kill generally if you are going to kill them you need to be really careful about how it's engineered otherwise that will get more people interested and so turn up the heat that much more on the PCs. You need to hammer that reality home. Even more so in Riven Key. Yes. Because it is mentioned that a few have already had uh, strange disappearances and funny little accidents. <laughs> yes. So it's again kind of builds up to that kind of powder keg mechanic. The next one is Day, where... Me and you have different ideas about what to do here, so I'll let you go with your one first. In Day, you've got a city built into a mountain where you've got failing crystals that refract the light into the caverns, but the whole place is just dim because these crystals don't work properly. And so it's a perfect place for all this shadowy stuff and rebellions to go on. And so Ragara, of course, has a whole bunch of occult laboratories down there and stuff that's hidden to try and keep out of the way. So my thought with Day is similar to the Riven Key stuff, but it's cover up the evidence, get rid of all of these laboratories that are kind of yeah. radioactive and have bizarre sorcerous stuff going on. Because House Ragara is explicitly trying to wash its hands of the satrapy. You're the cleanup crew. Yeah, cleanup crew, exactly. And it could also potentially, depending on what the flavour of your group is, lean into the slapstick side of things. Make it a bit like a game of fiasco. Yeah, make stuff go wrong, make the consequences nice and obvious and kind of, oh, can this fit back into the cupboard properly level of stuff. How was I supposed to know the holy water of the local spring goddess didn't deal with demons? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your one fire aspect ragger in there trying to shove a blood ape into a cupboard with a broom. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. You have a a good idea for a very, very light game there, as well as if you want to take the more serious side, you can also have some people fighting to keep the satrapy in Ragara hands and some wanting to take it over. So it's the idea that this could happen is the thing. So they need to prepare for it. Not that it will happen. And if you can get away with covering it up, then so much the good. But Mine goes on a similar scheme, again, running with the fact that House Ragara wants to wash its hands of the place, uh, but goes a bit grimmer. Again, you could probably start these games the same way of, yeah, you're the cleanup crew, you're there to make sure that they're all shut down and they're all gone. Uh, The key issue with mine is that something's gotten out, (laughs) and the city is very dark and very underground. Now, I've initially listed down in here, in our little note sheet here that's something to do with Teddy because the whole place is all shadowy and darky. Uh, Teddy, the ebon dragon, uh, we call him that because he's cuddly and soft. (laughs) Yeah. He's one of the Yozi. But really, you could use any Yozi you like. All of them can be spooky in this situation. He was just the one that jumped to mind. 
And so it goes from the case of going in there on a relatively routine shutdown, clean up, destroy the evidence mission to a, oh dear, there is something down here. And the city being underground and being all tunnels and spooky stuff, it lends itself to a more horror themed game of what on earth is this? How many are there? Going for the vibe of Alien, basically. Yes. The kind of things going bump in the night and what's that? And it's your job not only to kill the thing, but also to try and do so before anyone else can see the thing and survive and know what the heck it was and start asking uncomfortable questions. Yes, that could work really, really nicely, particularly for low-level dragons. Yeah, you have to be low-level, so it has to be big and scary, but you can't call in help because otherwise that gets eyes and that's what you've been told explicitly cannot come here. Yes, and again, you also need to point out this is not something the house can particularly help with either because it will draw attention and also make it clear that this is something that will reflect badly on you if the house needs to be called in. If we have to clean up your mess, then you're going to suffer for it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, and traditional ragra motives, by the way, if you don't want the fights, uh, option B is finding out whose lab it escaped from. So when they try and stick you with, this is your mess to clean out. No, actually, it's his. <laughs> It's his mess, and you're sending me to clean it up because he's incompetent. Why should this blow back on me? <laughs> That's a very ragger way of solving the problem. Not solving the problem, just shifting the blame. <laughs> Could also be very short, though. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how big the ragger that you've decided to drop in it is. Yeah, then it sort of evolves into a much more of a political game of can you move the faction into a place where you're able to accuse them? Bonus points if you're not allowed to leave the town while you're doing it, so you're still trying to hide while you're making all these negotiations to get the house to help yeah because everyone else is cooped up in the imperial palace you are far removed from the corridors of power because you're off in the north is is it the northern blessed isle i can't remember but you have to stay there because until you can get the help in to make sure it's gone you're still the only thing making sure there aren't eyes on it yes because someone needs to mind it and so it's just that uncomfortable, desperate negotiation for, come on, come on, just send, like, one Essence 4 dragon, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be far too simple. Someone who has martial arts or, or, or is good at sorcery. No. This isn't a blood ape, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a second circle demon. I think that's about the power level you want to go for this thing as well. You don't want to go comedically world-altering like you get with the big leagues, but a second circle demon, that's about the level I think you want to go for this. Second circle demon and characters that are mostly fresh out of the gate. So it's something that's still in a one-on-one -on -one fight. A party of them could handle it, but it'll be rough so that they do have to do some shenanigans. Yes, something that they can't just beat up. Mm. Something that you have to actively plan for. That sounds like an absolutely fantastic game to run. Yeah. But yeah, if you particularly if you can set up the politics to go along with it. But yes, and we should probably move on now to our final segment, which is our maker thing. And it's the most difficult one yet. Yes. We are going to try and make a character, whether this ends up player character or non-player character, I'm not sure, but character of some sort. The only prompt we've got so far is the good Ragara. <laughs> we need to make a good Ragara. I suppose multiple types of motives could be allowed, but is not primarily driven by anything but altruism. Someone who is... See, you're defining it slightly differently. Yeah, okay. The only idea I have is aiming this from a more Ragara perspective. 
This is someone who does good actions. Whether or not they do them for good reasons is separate. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. I'm going for Ragra results orientation because I think that's easier <laughs> to get away with. Possibly, yes. Because the way I'm aiming with this is, and I mentioned this in the other half of the episode as well, that I am very much going for the virtuous criminal sort of line. Uh, okay, yes, I've got you. Robin Hood, Batman type thing. Not quite Robin Hood, Batman. More the mob boss turning state's evidence. Okay. Now, you can do this as a sorceress ragra or as a mundane ragra. Both kind of work of someone who is very much in that world, very much knows the people and knows the contacts. And if it's a player, then they serve maybe as... I feel it better as an NPC in sort of an Archon or a Magistrate game, as the sort of one that happens to just be able to... Do what the Inquisitor in a game of Dark Heresy does, where they just point you in the right direction and say, yeah, there's a guy called such and such who's doing these sorts of crimes in this sort of area. You might want to go look. And the reason I'm saying results-oriented here is because he's still a ragara. This is cleaning out the competition, but <laughs> it's that sort of thing of, is he getting dangerous baddies off the streets? Yes. Do we completely trust that he's doing it for good reasons? No. but. He is having a good effect on the world, even if it's lining his own pockets. Yeah, that's fair enough. Whereas I was kind of thinking of, do we want someone who is pure of heart, so to speak, for this, which is probably harder to achieve. I need to marry out if that's the case. Yeah. Either that or just go the way I would put that and run away to a monastery somewhere. You could potentially play it two different ways. Have someone who gets far enough up within the order to be useful and is comfortable negotiating with gods on the house's behalf because that's what the Immaculate Philosophy dictates, that gods should be in supplication to the dragonblood and, well, not quite supplication, that's not quite the right word, but should follow the dictates of the dragons. But when they get high enough up to be useful and start getting brought in to arrange stuff involving the gods that is a bit more nefarious, they recoil in horror. So you're looking at someone who is probably... If they're an absolute prodigy, they'll probably be about 50 to 70, more likely somewhere past their first century. But otherwise, someone who has just disappeared off into a monastery somewhere, possibly even to somewhere like the Palace Sublime, and is maybe being courted by the Aselsi as a potential asset and so on, but just doesn't want anything to do with the house anymore because they've learnt just enough to be horrified, but they also don't have the guts or don't want to sell their house out. And the levers with that one is how do you make them sell out House Ragara? What kind of things would make a person like that sell them out? Couch it in things like the good of the realm or the good of the universe. Maybe you've got some leverage, but they need to be almost removed from society enough that that's less of a concern for them. Yeah. See, now you saying that's actually inspired me to a slightly different one. When you started saying sending a Ragara to a monastery and when you started making them not like House Ragara, I like that setup. I like the, they've run away, they've seen a little bit of the house's evil and have decided, Ugh, I hate that. See, you said when they go to the Palace Sublime, they get targeted by the Aselsi as an asset. I see a very different person recruiting them. Oh, you're going from them on? No. Oh, no. Okay. They want to go into the monks here because they believe in like the good of creation and all of this crap. There's one group who works very much within the Immaculate Order that can say with a mostly straight face that they're working for the good of creation. <laughs> oh, right. Black Ops Rogue Ragara, who gets 
Because your one is mostly seeming to be a bit of a pacifist. Doesn't want to sell his own house out. Doesn't want to step on too many toes. My one here, I'm thinking, gets completely full on Sid conditioned here as the Ragara that is trying to take down House Ragara. Yes, gets co-opted by the Sidereals to... They help him disappear so that House Ragara doesn't even know it's him doing it, but they know there must have been someone inside because they know where all our funny houses are and where this, that and the other is. Because this one I would actually make much older because I would want them to have actually been very much a part of the Ragara machine and then maybe one day there was just something that went a little bit too far and they ran. Rather less I say something that went too far, maybe something that went wrong. Like, let's assume it's demon stuff because that's why the Sids will be scared about them. So that's the kind of Ragara they'd want to recruit. Maybe they summoned something a bit too big and it went feral and ate someone they cared about. Mm. Well, it can be whatever to kind of fit into the game's threats because... Generally speaking, you'll be dealing with something exalted, and anything exalted is outside of fate, which is enough to make the Sidereals twitchy. Yeah, but it's the case of that one of the Ragara that has been very much turned by the Sids and does genuinely believe House Ragara is a threat not just to the realm, but to creation as a whole, and so is working with all the knowledge of someone who was quite chunky in there. Perhaps even if you want to have a sense of humour as a storyteller here, the house believes, yeah, he's retired off to a monastery somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that the monastery in question is in, U- well, not necessarily in Yushan. Yeah, no, it's not even necessarily that. It's just more the case of doing the same disappearing trick that Old Man Ragara's pulled, except where Old Man Ragara's doing it to go and do evil magic, this guy's doing it because heaven has decided House Ragara's gotta go. <laughs> or more accurately, two Sids have decided House Ragara's gotta go, and they pulled in someone who knows everything. And he can be your criminal informant in a sidereal game of this is where you go, this is who you need to get. Yeah, we've fallen into the thing of the Ragara being the quest giver. (laughs) That's still... Yeah, but this is one that is genuinely trying to do some good. His main levers are mostly just repentance, because once he's gone far enough that he's there, he's like, oh god, what have I done? Yes, it will be that motivation of I've got to make up for it. I mean, that does feel cliched, but I can't see it being anything else. Yeah, you can almost get, if you want really a, a bit of massive spice with it, if he's been working with Sids and if he went with the Immaculate Order long enough that the Sids got their mitts on him, he's going to know martial arts. You can go for the bit of the big dramatic sort of end of the second act moment to hook the player's hearts in sort of thing, being that you have to fight some big scary, let's say demon thing to make it thematically appropriate. Make it thematically appropriate to whatever crossed his line and made him run that he tries to take on and loses because come on you're fighting something that was challenging for someone with sidereal martial arts but he gets to do his noble sacrifice yes that or he gets assassinated by some ragara guys that finally find him and then your final act becomes a bit jason Bourne, <laughs> or avengers depending the assassination of coulson or worse yet gets captured because this is house ragara they want to know what he said and to who before they ice him and it goes taken yes <laughs> Complete with the fact that you, that as a sidereal, fun fact about sidereals when we'll get to them, your players are allowed to make as many different funny voices as they want for them because they do change identity. So you can have someone decide that the voice that they deliver the message in is going to be the, I have a very particular set of skills. And he does, it's Craft 5 Brewery. <laughs> it's a particular skill. Yes, but the next persona will have something entirely different. Yep, but yeah, that I think is a good Ragara and one that you can actually yes. call ethical, even if it does involve taking down most of us Ragara. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a good Ragara as opposed to a good Ragara. Yeah, <laughs> he's not good at being a Ragara. Although, oh, 
follow-up here that requires him to be manipulated by SIDs rather than NPCs in a SID game. Mm-hmm. It's probably a dragon game then or something like this. Okay. We go with much the same story, but instead of going down the CI line, he's designed to actively do it using the tools the tools and the machinery that Ragara has built up against it, either in the subtle way of deals that just happen to go bad or in the slightly cleverer way of, yeah, House Ragara can't tell anyone if a large demon starts torching one of their safe houses. No. And so it's that case of using all of the Ragara Eviltons, yeah, leveraging debts against people to go after places that they don't even know House Ragara owns, so they don't think it's going to be a problem. Summoning demons the whole bit and you get these poor raggeras. You get Banavas and his inner circle just sort of looking at all the reports going, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and then you get a really, really empathetic big bad evil guy at the end of it all. Again, you make your main villain Haral instead of Banaba just to just because he's a lot easier <laughs> to be like. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, And with that, I think we are about done with House Ragger for this week. Well, next time we are going back into the shadows with the last, the most archetypal spy house. We are looking at House Cessus and all of their machinations. <laughs> yes, and I don't think we'll do Bond music because I do not want to get slapped for any kind of licensing yeah. issues. But we'll yes, <laughs> they're the good spies. They're the competent spies. We've already made that difference. But yes, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you've liked what you're listening to, please do leave us a review. If you want any comments, questions, improvements, whatever, do drop us an email at wondrousatlas at gmail.com. We are on the Exalted fan Discord server in the Exalted Projects bit. We do have a thread of our own, so fire any questions or anything back at us there if you are on that particular Discord and yes, in, if you do want to drop a little bit of money our way, we are DriveThruRPG affiliates, so you can use our, our affiliate links, which are all in the show notes, um, to drop us a little bit of a kickback and particularly check out the bibliography for the things we do for uh, these episodes. Um, they're generally listed in the lore ones rather than the story hooks ones because that's much, much easier to actually reference books that have specific information in them. But do check those out. If you want, if you want to give us a little bit of a kickback when you buy them, uh, but until next time, thank you ever so much for cracking open the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny with us. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, an exalted podcast presented by Aramethius and Rails. Check out the show notes and story seeds from this episode at wondrousatlas.wordpress.com, and if you have any questions, drop us an email at wondrousatlas@gmail.com. The opening music for this podcast is Travelling to the Blessed Isle by James Semple, and the closing music is Exploring Creation, also by James Semple. Both tracks are taken from the album Exalted, Dreams of the Second Age, and are property of Onyx Path Publishing, used with permission. And I think I have broken rails. This is where we need it to be a video podcast because he, yes. Old man Ragara, he's hoarding artifacts and magic. Why? He's planning on breaking the seal of seven destinies to bring back Autochthon. He's going to space. <laughs> you were saying, what? how does Elon Musk and that lot behave with their money? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, no, you just...
need to fire some jade-encrusted chariot at the Maidens of Destiny and see how far it goes. <laughs> no, that's a moral act. Ragnarok would never do that. <laughs> I was just trying to do a comparison between yeah. the kind of firing a car to Mars sort of thing. This is true. Yeah. It's just the fact that firing any large ordnance at the Maidens is an objectively good thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's great. I can never remember the Lunar cast names. It's Punchy Lunas, Trixie Lunas and Sneaky Lunas. Oh, sorry, Thinky Lunas. I've just seen that little meme there with sort of like the, I don't know, Mon of House Nemon or something like that. If they're buying into the stereotype, Nemon become amazing. Always do this. Then the Mon of House Ragra. Never do this. Villains do this. 